As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Look forward to the challenge of playing the Raiders. Good football team. Um, You know, the, uh, the games that they... The game that they didn't win or games that they didn't win... Uh, it was a one-score, one-score game. So we, we understand how good they are. We understand that they were up by 20 points in the second half against Arizona, and and uh, we've got to have a good week of practice. Anything less than that um, is not acceptable. Our guys know that. They understand the, that there is a rivalry between uh, the two teams, and it's always a, a great battle. So uh, we look forward to bringing them here into Arrowhead and uh, playing good football. Raider week, more primetime week, Monday week, long week, weird week, strange week, red week, blue week, I guess red week, silver and black week, I suppose, if we're going to really lean into the kind of Dr. Seuss energy that I've used to open up today's episode of Times Ours. Joshua Briscoe here with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. Nate, I I didn't like plan to sort of bring in a nursery rhyme theme, but I think the Mm. theme of the day today has already kind of just been... Um, everything's a little wonky, you know, everything's a little whimsical. We're going to get football on a Monday, Chiefs Raiders, and uh, it's kind of changed up our whole schedule just for the uh, the Chiefs covering side of right. things. We got to hear from Isaiah Pacheco today. That was yeah. exciting. Um, Lil Poppy is a uh, nursery rhyme in and of himself. So uh, just just sort of a weird energy as we wait all the way till Monday. Yeah. Um, it's been a fascinating schedule, ladies and gentlemen, because... Uh, as Mick Schaefer from uh, Channel 41 mentioned to Andy Reid today, in which I had not thought about, is that Arizona was the late Sunday afternoon national televised game. Then Thursday night football, obviously. <laughs> then um, Monday, 1 o'clock noon? Or Sunday, so 1 Sunday o'clock noon. noon. Yeah, yep, Sunday, right. 1 o'clock noon. Right. Just, one of, just one of those games. One um, of those. Then Sunday night last week against Tampa Bay. And now Monday night football. So really the only thing the Chiefs will not do, which is possible um, based on the con- you know construction of the schedule, is a Thanksgiving Day game. <laughs> so <laughs> thankfully we will all enjoy Thanksgiving without uh, the Chiefs being involved. Uh, now last year they got moved to a Saturday primetime game because, you know, seeding purposes uh, <laughs> so we'll we'll see if that plays out those are the only other two 
um, general, like, you know, non-COVID related time slots that we have. So, yeah, I, it's it's a bit weird because, you know, the team was off Tuesday and Wednesday. Andy gave them an extra day after their um, dominant performance against the Buccaneers. And you always wonder, hey, big primetime game against a legendary quarterback, against a team that you wanted revenge against over the Super Bowl. Oh, here it comes a uh, let down. Nope, it's the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Seth, just I mean, that, football. That roller coaster heel, I don't even think we felt it. We just kept going like nope. oh, back up. <laughs> no, we'll see. Hey, Bill, see you in town here. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm sure we will have people already screaming at their phones about us uh, immediately summarily dismissing uh, Chiefs game, which we haven't done, you know, in uh, one full week since we cursed them last time. Uh, <laughs> Seth, how do you how do you enjoy the Monday night experience just purely from a, a football watcher on a Sunday into Monday? Is that is this a good time to be Seth Kaiser? Um, the, the one thing with Monday night football is. Generally speaking, people still expect the same amount of coverage. And, and and I get why. I would want the same amount of coverage as a fan. But the week is a lot more condensed, right? So, like, like take, for example, after the Colts game fiasco, you know, I wrote an article Sunday evening. Well, there is no Sunday evening. There's also no Monday morning or Monday day or Monday. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, that, that messes with me. It's one of the few areas where this job, maybe it's more than a few, has affected fanhood for me a little bit. Because, you know, you're always, you're never just watching the game anymore. You're always thinking about how this affects work. And it's worth it, but it's occasionally a bit of a bummer. I do like, uh, for night games, I I don't know, I kind of like things getting done in the afternoon for that reason, for work stuff. For pure fanhood stuff, the only bummer about night games, if it's like a wild game, like, um, it's just, or if the Chiefs win big or something, or if they lose. So basically any scenario, <laughs> it's hard to go to sleep afterwards. Cause I'm either like two, like, like the Chiefs bills, the divisional round game. Yes. I was like, how am I supposed to sleep like ever again? And I mean, cause it was too, it was just too awesome. Like there was just, I think I rewatched the game or at least the second half because it was just so incredible. But like, if they lose, you know, you're just like, oh, you're, and you're too angry. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I don't like night games. I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we got to work through that. Yeah, I do like the the Twitter experience is fun. Yeah, because that, that's people true. that people that don't normally watch Mahomes, or they do, but they're not tweeting exclusively about it. Yeah, like it's, it's not the only thing in town. Right. So like, like you get those Twitter moments that you can never really get back because it's almost impossible. You can't really look up what Twitter feed looked like at a certain time. And that bums me out sometimes because like I would, I would pay a small sum of money to go through various Twitter feed moments. Like, uh, again, like last Sunday night against the, the, the Bucks when Mahomes did that spinning touchdown and you just watch the entire football community lose their minds. Yeah, we need a Twitter uh, time machine. That is trademark times ours. Uh, Joshua Briscoe, Seth Kaiser, Nate Taylor. We own that idea. So if anybody wants to buy it, um, you can go ahead and reach out to any of us. Ideally, me. I'll handle the finances. Don't worry about it, guys. Definitely don't ask too many questions. You don't want me. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the Twitter time machine's a good idea. I like this. Right. Yeah. Like if you could search up moments. Like remember. Like and I'm going to use this example for twice in a row. But it was like after the 13 seconds thing. 
Like you had people that have been covering the league their whole lives that were just, I mean, they, they had no words. They were, everyone was freaking out collectively together. And it's, it's one of the closest things you can get to like that actual fan in person experience, right? Where you're all jumping up and down together, yeah. whatever. watching people collectively freak out on Twitter. That's fun. So that is a, a good thing about, uh, about primetime games. But you still, you, you got a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a conflict internally. That feels right, though. I don't know if there's a perfect time slot, uh, but there might be a perfect opponent. It it might be the Raiders. So we will uh, we'll talk about that. I, I actually think this match was pretty interesting for a variety of levels. Maybe most of all, just to see if I've gotten my nerve back to predict a Chiefs blowout, because the last time I did it, it didn't work. Uh, but there there are a lot of things from this week already that, that I want to dig in a little bit more with you guys. Um, we, we've already talked a little bit, you know, about what we saw in, uh, in week four against the Buccaneers, but Seth, you've got new work up on the newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Nate, you never stop writing and are out there for all the pressers and whatnot. We'll have more pressers tomorrow as well, which is different than usual. Cause again, yep. everything moves back a day. Yep. So, uh, Nate, I'll, I'll start with you in terms of, uh, anything that has shown up in these first Really, I, today kind of felt like the first day of the week for Chiefs Raiders because of the media availability moving and everything. But anything catch you today or in these last couple of days as you begin to to get ready for uh, for Raider Week? Yeah, just a, a few quick things. Um, this is more long term or could play into the long term portion of the season. But you know, I think I surprised people today because I don't think it had been on the transaction report. You just kind of show up to work and wow, there's Chris Connolly. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I thought about that live on air shortly after apparently Andy Reid was asked about him. I didn't hear the word uh, uh, Conley in the in the uh, question. Yeah, and I knew he got cut because he got cut with Andy Isabella. Um, but I I didn't know he was on his way back. Yeah, and Marcus Camp is is with the team as well. So maybe there's another special teams ace who could uh, maybe serve down the road. So you have two veteran receivers um, who are in the breaking case. Of emergency glass, essentially. Um, another note, Willie Gay is back in the team facility. Uh, he cannot observe practice, uh, but he isn't in the facility. He is going through meetings, so he's starting to get ingratiating himself back into the into the flow of things. Uh, he can come back after the Buffalo Bills game for the game against the San Francisco 49ers, which is right before the bye week. On another note, um, Josh, this is... This is mostly for you. Um, I, I I I held it in. I thought about it today, and I know this kind of ties into the future as to how we're going to discuss this upcoming game. I chose to be in the locker room and not talk to Patrick Mahomes. So the way this mm-hmm. works, ladies and gentlemen, is. Andy Reid talks, then the locker room is available for reporters to go in and, and you know, catch up with guys. Or if there's a certain one-on-one you want, um, you can go do that. Now, usually after the way their schedule works, the team, is once Andy talks, then Patrick Mahomes comes right to the podium right after. Um, I don't know if they caught this on camera or anything on the, on the live stream, but I ducked out and went into the locker room. Uh, one of the rare times where I won't ask Patrick Mahomes a question when he is made available to media members. Josh, who do you think I talked to in the locker room? Mm. On a one-on-one setting that you're going to read on the athletic.com. Oh, man, this one interview turns into a full story, right? Is that that's part of a, Yeah, part of a full part story. Part of a full story? Yeah. Oh, 
man, okay, I, I'm trying to remember who. I knew that there were a couple of guys who did talk in the locker room, but I don't think that's who you talked to, Tim. Correct. Are we back in the tight end room again? Oh, you're cooking, my friend. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, there, there are only two perfect options remaining, so you just oh. tell me so I don't have to be wrong about either of them. Either no, way, no. I'm very excited. That's not the way the game works, son. <laughs> Seth, which one do you think it is? Oh, I I mean, come on. This is Times Hours. Also, man, there's that beautiful white horse. That's the thing! That's the, this, is why I'm, this is why I'm stuck here failing to answer this question because Nate has iconic relationships with two of the tight ends on this team, neither of whom are Travis bleeping Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's up with that? It's gotta, it's gotta be... My guy Jody Fortson. I'm gonna say it's no great. Nothing but catch touchdowns and create mismatches against Carlton Davis. I'm gonna say it's Chiefs short short yardage quarterback uh, Noah Gray, and it's some more short yardage stuff. It was Jody Fortson. Ah, yes, you gotta stick with my. Should have stuck with my heart. Should have stuck with my heart. Miss. Sometimes I wish that I missed, so I would know what it's like to be normal. <laughs> oh, uh, Nate, I'm so excited. Yeah. So. um... Maybe people are not aware of this um, in the grander context of the NFL landscape, which I had to sort of go through today. Just clicking on a couple tabs on the uh, on the stats websites. Um, but the Chiefs, of course, had three tight ends all score touchdown in Sunday's win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There is only one other team in the NFL who has three tight ends that have at least recorded one touchdown in a four game sample. Do you know which team that is? Can you give can you give the the measurement one more time? So this is this is in this is in the story, uh, which you will read on Friday or can read on Friday, I should say. I will uh, read it on Friday. Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, and Jody Fortson became the first trio of tight ends in the league this season to score a touchdown in the same game. There is only one other team in the entire league who have at least three tight ends who have at least recorded one touchdown. Through four games, oh. which is that team that I want to like that is to explain how bat crazy it was, and I I yes I self bleep myself <laughs> how I bat did. crazy it was for them to do that in one game in prime time against a very very talented Buccaneers team. My shot in the dark would be the Niners. No, okay, I don't do know you, who was. it. Do you have one, Seth? I I couldn't even begin to guess. It is. Pete Carroll's Seattle <laughs> Seahawks with Geno Smith. Well, look, when you have an MVP candidate at quarterback, you okay. make it work with Can, anybody, and that's where what Patrick if, Mahomes and Geno Smith I, are at right now. I, I'm sorry. I have to ask a question. I, I just need us to take a one-minute break from Chiefs because this does relate to the Broncos, so I think it's allowed. Can I ask a question? Sure. sure. What if What if um, Pete Carroll was right all along? And yeah. he had way more to do with, like, what if we were all wrong? That would be the funniest thing ever because of the direct effect it would have on the Broncos is that it turns out Pete Carroll's actually really good at putting quarterbacks in positions to succeed and has been hiding Geno Smith, which you're like, well, that doesn't make sense because he had a lot of years coaching before Russ was, I know, but that would be really funny. It would. It, it wasn't that many years without Russ, it, right? I mean... You know what, Russell Wilson, system quarterback? I think you're right, Seth. That's really brave. You should tweet that out. <laughs> I already have Bronco fans saying you would not believe, well, you probably would believe some of the things the Bronco fans said to me the last time I did the uh, 
<laughs> this time I did it with the don't make me tap the sign meme. You've got to do um, it again. You have how to do it again the, on game week, man. Of how long since the Chief, since the Broncos have beaten the Chiefs. Like, the man, people are terrible on the internet. Seth, I mean, Seth, it's okay. All you had to do now is say, the Seattle Seahawks are two and two. And the Denver Broncos are two and two. And fellas, that's just that those are just the stats, ladies and those gentlemen. Are just, those are just the mad. stats. I, that's the, just the record. That's a fact. There's the thousands two. of days. As of this recording, the- <laughs> which could change, because you know, you get to suffer Nathaniel Hackett in prime time again. <laughs> two Woo. and two Broncos, two and two Seahawks. One offense looks legitimate. Another looks to be a work in progress, the nicest we could say. Think about it this way as well. And I don't think we have to apologize for taking a diversion to dunk on the Broncos because I think our listenership is probably very on board with the sentiment. There is an argument you could have made this offseason that the Broncos had the best offseason in football or like the most exciting one, right? In yeah, terms of like sure. fan base revival. Right now, I think you can make an argument that they have the worst vibes in football. <laughs> If they lose to the Colts tonight, what, what kind of what kind what, of sorry team would lose to this team without oh. without without Jonathan Taylor? Just, so you know Chief, what? I, in fairness, I, the Chiefs basically lost to them without Jonathan Taylor yeah, because please, he was not useful. Please allow me to enumerate all the things that would have to go wrong for the Broncos to <laughs> lose to the Colts because apparently, I'm, but, so that's but if what they I'm gonna did, do. If yeah. they did, or if they do, or if they just keep sliding. There's a head coach that no one on planet Earth actually believes in and a quarterback who is firmly at least on washed watch. Like this is this and is they, a very careful. Form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there are no reinforcements coming around after this. That is this is it. And uh just just sort of just sort of feels like I got a thing of a big thing of diet coke and a nice roll of mentos. They're sitting right next to each other on the pantry. No, nobody's made any messes yet, but you know, it's they're they're both sitting over there. It it it's just at least worth watching. Can I I'm trying to figure out how to possibly talk about the way that the media will devour them like a Komodo dragon will devour a goat, <laughs> but I can't quite get there. And then also just so you guys are aware, and people, I mean, people make fun of me at this point for my lack of attention span. What is a Victor Wembayanama? Because oh, honestly, I thought that's Don't what you're you start. interrupting the show to talk about. Don't I you start, Sam. Don't you start. I can't, because I'm watching some basketball clips here, and I've been out of the loop with the NBA for a while. I don't know which is more impressive. This dude, who's apparently seven foot six and weighs 98 pounds, uh-huh. but can just hoop. He just pulled up for three like he's Steph Curry. I know. And now, Nate, and, how, and then on my I other know. tab, I've got a Komodo dragon devouring a goat live, and I don't know what's more impressive. He's standing Nate, how next exciting to Rudy is it? Gobert, his <laughs> yes. younger brother. It, it, it's it's unbelievable. Um, I just am really honored to be here, as I imagine you are, Nate, to just be here as Seth is yes, discovering who I'm yes. calling the dub. I'm just I'm kind of going to the uh, Steve Spagnuolo naming convention, get him a little Volkswagen logo. Maybe let's call him Volkswagen. I don't know. But I uh, I found out about him like a week ago, and my whole life has been about him since. Look, man. Look. We're talking look. about we're talking about G League basketball on a uh, <laughs> no, NFL podcast podcasts? right now. That is yeah, not even NFL, a Chiefs podcast. That is that look, is what this man has done to the internet. Look, look, don't worry, Troy Aikman. We'll get to you, but 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 just, <laughs> but just just know this 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 young man. If he could 
Like, now look, I love Chet Holmgren too, and prayers up, my guy. Stay healthy. So, if either one of these boys can stay healthy, oh, oh! The NBA is just an alien world now. That's yes. all it is. Like, yes. the, the, the days of Muggsy Bows. <laughs> you know what? I actually so think it might be like. Put the basketball down. Put the, put the, ba- are you 6'7"? Put, put, hey, well, here, listen, put Nate, here's the thing. Can here's you shoot like stuff? Put the basketball down, okay? <laughs> there are only more of these aliens coming, okay? Giannis created a gap. He created a, <laughs> a portal. Something of the upside down world in yeah, Stranger Things. I was gonna say we're living we in an episode of Stranger Things, but they all play this. basketball. Yes, we got we a bunch of demogorgons at the four. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> no, look at his hands. Are just this is? I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize for derailing <laughs> us, but that's that somehow ties back to it. Somehow relates to the Denver Broncos maybe screwing themselves <laughs> over for the next like four years. Here's my connection. Andy Reid today got asked about like the cyclical nature of of the sport and all of oh, that, yeah. right? Like running and being becoming a little more in vogue right now as offensive lines and offenses are getting bigger than defenses and you know find the matchups and all of that. Here's my new theory, Nate. Muggsy Bogues is just about five years away from that. Ooh, all of a sudden, oh, when all you tank. have are seven footers, all oh. of a sudden you just need somebody out there who's basically playing croquet, just running <laughs> through the wickets. So you either need to be above seven feet or below five. Oh, this is now this that that is that is a masterclass, ladies and gentlemen, in being contrarian. I love it. Oh. And that is why I am throwing my hat in the ring to be the next owner of the Phoenix Suns. I will need a so sizable delicious. I will need a sizable investment from a billionaire who does not actually want to run the day-to-day operations, but I would uh I have a vision and uh, you can uh, reach me on Twitter at JB Briskin. Can we find the next Chris Paul but could he be 5'8"? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is this is my I will go from high school to high school across the country <laughs> looking for a four foot seven Chris Paul that oh, won't grow yeah. anymore. Well, we will. I mean, in the meantime, quarterbacks for a time were getting shorter and shorter and this shorter. Is true. This is and true. And now and so now we've seen we've seen Kyler push the limits of what's humanly possible with that. And hey, so speaking uh, speaking speaking of um, absolute athletic specimens, Hunter Renfro might play in this game. <laughs> Hunter Renfro, you know, look. Is Hunter, Hunter Renfro, Renfro the same height as Dante Hall? I'm, like, Goog- I'm Googling this. Go ahead, Seth. Hunter Renfro can absolutely play. Yes. Yeah, why do you, why do you, hey, Seth, why do you say that like you're surprised? Because <laughs> <laughs> he looks get, like he uh, should be. Are, are he looks like I should be able, He looks like I oh, should be able team. to pick up my office phone and dial just four numbers to an extension to an office nearby me and say, hey, I was looking to talk to whoever handles your accounts receivable. And <laughs> that's what he looks like. And that's just the truth. He doesn't it, look like he belongs there any more than I do. And it's and not just... just- it's not just complexion all stars because, like, we've talked about Braxton Berrios on this show plenty. Yes, high school like, legend in Raleigh, see, North Carolina. That's the thing. Like, he he looks honestly, he looks like he would be cast as a quarterback in you know a, a Disney Channel movie or whatever. But He's you can the see him in who shoulder somehow pads. gets on the field, but you can't believe he can play. Yep. Right, exactly. But like, you, you know, know, you, know that, you, that, you that see guy it. plays quarterback for the for the Georgia Bulldogs, guys. <laughs> right. Yes. He exactly. But. Hunter Renfro, it's just the hairline. I mean, it's just if he shaves his head and goes like Dan Sorensen style or so, like he's got to do something with the hair and it'll totally change his whole game. 
By he the way, and uh, Trey Young need to get need to get some people. Yeah. So just look this up. This is what Google tells me. Okay. So I have to I have to go with with Google's measuring, but James Hunter Renfro is five ten. And click I'm- to the next tab. Damian Dante Hall is five eight. <laughs> hey, I know another receiver who's five ten. Yeah, I'd love to see more of them. Ooh. And with that segue, we will talk about Seth Kaiser's most recent piece on Legarius Sneed. Seth, uh, examining. <laughs> Let's talk I, about Sky Moore, gosh dang it. Let's do it. You wrote about it. It's unlocked for everybody, so you can actually uh, read it if you are somehow just been waiting on the price to drop from basically free to literally free on the newsletter. This one's open for uh, for everybody, right? Yes. Yes, it is. I are actually both of your, are both of these open? Okay. Yes. Come on. But, no, the, the Legarius <laughs> Sneed one wasn't initially, and it wasn't for the first like forty eight hours. So you know you got the benefit as a subscriber. And I done like twelve articles in a row with nothing unlocked. And my subscribers actually, I had like three or four of them say, "We think this is the best you, work that you've done here. Can you unlock it so we can share it with people?" And I said, "Okay." Whatever. <laughs> Fine. So Seth won't even try to drag a nickel out of you for either of these. Uh, MNChiefsFan.substack.com. Uh, Seth, paint me the picture of of what you saw from Sky Moore uh, going through and reviewing all of his snaps, except for like two, which I wonder just why you wouldn't just also add those two. They were the kneel downs. Oh, okay. Oh, that that okay. doesn't matter. Yeah, Andy Reid didn't let Real the man snap. play yeah. against the Chargers until the Got kneel it. down. Okay, I saw you say two two Chargers snaps, and I was I was confused. Um, but so, okay, fair enough. So there you go. The snaps where he was allowed to either block or run a route, presumably. Uh, <laughs> yes. What have you seen? And then Nate, after Seth gives us his uh, his beautiful thesis here, I want to know if any of this is going to correlate with Sky Moore actually playing more soon. Um, just so you know, in my in my fourth or fifth paragraph, something like that, I wrote here, my good friend Nate Taylor would tell me to be patient and wait and see what happens down the stretch. And I should do that, but I'm not going to. I, I never listen to good advice. So here's the thing. For one thing, it's not just that Sky Moore has played limited snaps, which he has. He's been asked to run limited routes. It's like, oh, what's that? Another crosser to drag other people open? Oh, hey, look, another deep post or a slant. I wonder what would happen if he ran something that wasn't a short in-breaking route or a long in-breaking route. That whip route he ran against the tight, the the Bucks was like, whoa, combo breaker. Like, yep, yep. And and to be fair, he got wide open. open. He's so <laughs> like, open. He was so open. And so I guess I'll start with that particular snap because, you know, this is a small sample size caveat. He got wide open for two reasons. Um, one is because Travis Kelsey drags defenders towards him like a vortex. Mm-hmm. Because the Bucks were like, no, not this guy again. And then he held one of them. It was hilarious. The guy's like trying to recover, go back to board. Travis is like, nope, you came here with me. I'm going to just grab your jersey a little bit and hold you here. Um, the other reason is when Moore is running this whip route, which if, if you're listening, you don't know what a whip route is. It's you start as the, from, from one side of the field, you start as though you're going to run across the field, and then you reverse course without turning your hips. You stay facing the quarterback, and you, rather than flipping your hips away from him, you flip your hips towards him and work your way towards the sideline. That's a whip route. It's designed to take advantage of them thinking you're running an in route. What Moore does there, and this goes towards my larger point, he waits for the underneath linebacker to take his eyes off him. Then he reverses course. 
That's really good stuff. That's demonstrative of understanding the assignment, knowing the assignment, and making sure you run your route. Because if he starts his whip route while the linebacker is still looking at him, he'll just follow him. But if you wait until he looks back at Mahomes, like, okay, this dude's going inside. I'm going to look at Mahomes. Why is he throwing outside? There's no one. <gasps> and it is beautiful. That's demonstrative of some of the things Sky Moore has shown. Now, do I think he's this genius route runner at this point? Nope. He needs to learn to get into guys' bodies more, not do quite as many fakes as he does. But we really have a small sample size here. What you do see is he does things like that, like on Mahomes' interception to close that game, which was like the perfect game breaker, which was a bummer there. Moore was open across the middle of the field. He also altered the trajectory of his route just a little bit to make sure he got a little more shallow with the linebacker over the top of him. Again, afraid of Kelsey, I think it was. But he still stayed beyond the first down marker. He's showing just a few things where it's like, okay, the rook is paying attention to what's going on around him, all while looking the way he looked in college. He looks explosive off the line. He looks quick. Coming in and out of his breaks and smooth, not quick the same way you'd, you'd normally think, but he doesn't lose speed, at least on these easy breaks. But it's hard to tell, right? Because it's a slant and a post, and like, oh, great, you you can turn, you know, twenty degrees, like that, that. That that's not always super helpful. But you can see the same things you saw in college. It's just in an incredibly small sample size. You see him getting after it as a blocker. Now he's not a huge guy, so it's not like he's going to run guys over, but he gets after it. You see him doing all these things. And then when Mahomes throws him a scorcher across the middle of the field, he just snatches it out of the air and keeps on running. I need more of this because <laughs> it looks really specific to what would work really well in this offense and things that other guys, because you've got like other guys that, you know, MVS is not necessarily an adjust to the ball catcher, right? Sky Moore looks like he is. And it just, he looks like he can play. And I understand I need to be patient, but it's slowly killing me <laughs> watching him do well. And so that's what I saw. There's there's the too long didn't read version in case you, and if you don't want to pay the free. But it, it, <laughs> I went through multiple snaps where he didn't get targeted as well, where you can see the traits look like they're there. Uh, Nate, follow-up question. Yep. The hell? So <laughs> here's my here's my best estimation. It'll either be this game coming up against the Raiders, who have, you know, a secondary. <laughs> in, in the most literal sense. And or it'll be against the Bills. Oh, oh my goodness, from your lips to God's ears, because I'm gonna be there. Who and also, wouldn't that just be something else? Who also have a a pretty good secondary, but one that is shuffling because of injuries. Yeah. At that point, it becomes, um, which one do you prefer to run a play that you have not ran yet? Yeah. That features Sky Moore in what you hope will be a one-on-one -on -one opportunity in the intermediate to deep portion of the field or a very specific route similar to what Seth just talked about earlier in either short yardage or sort of red zone area. That's what I think the coaching staff will have to sort of figure out. And then based on how Sky does in one of these next two games, will sort of, you know, be the next step as part of his rookie season. 
Um, it would serve him if he continues to get better incrementally as a punt returner. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be one of these two games. One is in prime time. One is against your biggest contender in the conference. So if you want to see this rookie for what he has to offer, we're, we're getting closer, Seth. This this might be too on the nose. I don't think there would be just one answer. But like you even mentioned in the piece, like that that the Chiefs, as we talked about, are running all these tight ends more often and playing heavier, and and the things that's doing from a personnel perspective. But but if you had your druthers there, Seth, like who who would Sky Moore be taking snaps from? Again, I, I'm sure there's not one answer, but I'm I'm curious just how you would navigate that. Um, I think he would take the non niche plays from McCole Hardman and also a fair number of snaps from Justin Watson, who hasn't really done anything to like deserve ire. I think he's been fine. He just doesn't create separation on his own, Um, except he can do some deep route stuff. I would be kind of curious, like the role they really want for MVS. I think Justin Watson can do some of those things. Um, Although MVS, when you can see the plan there too. Like he's, he's, he's a Mahomes overthrow two Mahomes overthrows away from us all being ecstatic over what yeah. he's brought to the team. That's a good call. So th- it would be those two. Um, because I think it's very clear that the two main guys are MVS and Juju. Um, and that's not just because of who they are as receivers, although I think that's part of it and they fill those roles, but they also get after it as blockers. Juju in particular is just a physical dude. Uh, and that's fun. But I think it would be a combination of Hardman and Watson. And to be fair, there's plenty of snaps to be found there between those two. I'm just going to tell you guys here in some show production. I want to talk. I want. I want to talk about Legarius Sneed, and I want to talk about the Chiefs in short yardage because Nate, I, we promised that I wanted to research, uh, circle back on this when we had some more time with Seth here as well. Looking back on your story from um, a little more than a week ago now, I guess right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I want to pull all that together. Is there anything else in the offense other than the short yard situation that either of you want to hit on? Um, you know, also we'll, we'll get to some specific Raider stuff in a second, but, but offense before we get into the specific short yardage stuff, cause we've all, we all saw what they did against the Buccaneers. We've all seen the struggles that preceded it. Nate's written about all of this. So I, I want to make sure that we get to have that conversation too. No, let's roll. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, I I don't I don't think so. Other than, you know, maybe you see the Chiefs going with the running trend in the league in terms of lining up under center a little more often, lining up heavy a little more often. It's not forever, but they really they they they've moved a little direction and that's just interesting. Um also Isaiah Pacheco, uh I'm going to give him a B plus press conference today. He didn't say that he was out here to take another grown man's job, so it's not his best presser yet. Uh, <laughs> but I he's specifically talking about the patience and everything made me so happy. Cause I, I was talking about that on post game. Yeah. Like, right. So, so very, very, very frequently my own eyes lie to me in real time. <laughs> whenever, whenever there is the moment of like, he really looks like he's like trying to be more patient, but he's also still explosive. And then he comes back out. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to stay patient while still being explosive. It really, <laughs> really warms my heart. Uh, so there, there's my uh, little poppy for the day. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But let's, let's talk about the short yardage issues here. Nate, take us back to the, the end of last month as you are watching the Chiefs against the Colts, as you are looking into the Chiefs short yardage problem, and then what you saw against the Buccaneers to begin to kind of level some of that stuff out. Or was that even a, a big enough step? Are there still big uh, systemic problems you're seeing? Uh, you do want to see them do well next week against a divisional opponent who should know what their tendencies are. I think that was... Uh, a fascinating problem against the Los Angeles Chargers on that Thursday night game. Um, But yeah, to your point, Josh, um, they went from being probably the ugliest short yardage team I've ever seen under Andy Reid since covering this team against the Colts to like, hey, it's prime time and this is what we do Um, in like a week's time. It it, it is amazing. Um, But one thing that I've noticed and I think the team has started to realize is, is they have to lean on their tight ends. Um, even more so in short yardage situations. And I would also sort of give a thought to like Juju Smith-Schuster basically is a tight end. So mm-hmm. because of his blocking ability and his short hands, that, I guess it was the first third down, the first third and short of real consequence when Mahomes was supposed to be sacked by, I, I believe, Carlton Davis, shakes out of it and then throws the ball to, you know, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, he has the same body type as Kelsey. So what they've started to figure out, or at least show, is that, hey, we still have the Michael Burton, which, you know, shout out to the Bucks, hard sell. <laughs> like, <laughs> them faking that trap, they were like, we see him, we hear. Why is he scrambling? <laughs> like, <laughs> and even the defensive end is like, I was selling so hard. Oh my God, Patrick's in my lap. <laughs> um, so you sell, like you just, you immediately go uh, for that play. And they obviously broke a tendency there. Um, obviously part of it comes down to the offensive line. Creed Humphrey was amazing against the Bucks. He was not very good against the Forrest Buckner. Um, in the Colts at times, particularly in short yardage situations. I go alongside for Creed Smith and Joe Tooney. So if the offensive line plays better, that is like the easiest way to get to like what they normally are. Um, but it was clear that like Andy only gave the Colts one specialty play, which was the, hey, Colin Saunders is in the backfield as an additional fullback and we don't give him the ball. Um, which I assume is happening at some point later this season because Andy puts a lot of things on on tape in September to add a wrinkle or to build more complexity into the offense for, you know, late October, November, December. Um, Here's the beautiful part. Mahomes understands that he probably needs to use his legs more. And I think he acknowledged that uh, after the game Sunday night that, hey, I need to like this is a defense where I probably need to run at times or I at least need to have the option uh, to make the defense more honest in those scenarios. Um, and then lastly, I think, hey, you know, Clyde and, and Isaiah Pacheco ran harder than they did against the Indianapolis Colts. That's just the truth. Like, the tape shows that. Um, yes, the coaching staff gave them better play calls. 
But the way Clyde hit one of the first third and shorts that was his opportunity with Creed sort of coming around the nose tackle to really create that lane, like like Clyde's running hard. He's just running harder with more purpose and, and, and authority than he did against the Colts in similar situations at the goal line. Um, and so, of course, it'll be in my tight end story. I just love the idea that, like, you know, Noah Gray is becoming what Blake Bell used to be. And the, and the interesting thing is Blake Bell is, of course, going to return within the next week or two. Um, and so they'll have four tight ends at their disposal on game day uh, to really mix and match what they want from a personnel grouping. But you can see the long-term effects now of like, hey, they had this player in Blake Bell who was important for his role as a blocking tight end. And Noah Gray is really, really coming on to doing those things while also being obviously a younger, more dynamic athlete as like a secondary passing option. Um, so, yeah, the tight ends are really, really good. And the Chiefs are probably going to lean on them more. Uh, but the offensive line and the running backs can do their part. And that, and that showed against the Buccaneers in a way that was not um, evident against the Colts. What, what catches you that interests you about that, Seth, when you, you look at the, the whole evolution of that? I think uh, a lot of that, it really, uh, when you, if you see a little more preeminence of the tight ends, part of that is that this is a team that is more based around its offensive line than any team. I think since maybe, yeah, I mean, really maybe any team of the Andy Reid era, because it's the best offensive line of the Andy Reid era. And part of through that, when you're you're emphasizing the offensive line, you might have more of an emphasis on your tight ends, who are kind of an extension of them at times. And especially when you you see this um, evolution of the Chiefs offense, it used to be the offense revolved around Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill. And I would always say that until last year, that was the order, in my opinion. Um, or maybe Kelsey and Hill were one A and one B mm-hmm. you know, in whatever order, because because Hill really dictates a lot of things coverage wise. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Um, now, obviously, with Hill gone, it's okay. You know, Juju and MVS, they're nice complementary pieces. Great. Hopefully, Sky Moore can do something, et cetera, et cetera. But now, your best traits on offense, because you've also made some of these other adjustments, are Mahomes, Kelsey, and the offensive line. And so through that, you see, okay, we also have these guys that are both, you know, Fortson and Gray are pretty athletic. Um, they're willing to get after it as blockers in specific situations, not always as inline guys. Although Gray's getting better with that. And I'm assuming that's a really intentional thing. Like, this is what we need you to do, buddy. And yep. if you want to keep Blake Bell off the field, because he's faster than Bell. Um, and he's got a little more of a catch radius, I think, although he struggles at times with some of the big ones. Um, in, in terms of really stretching out. But, I mean, that's that's how you stay on the field there. And so I think it's partly about the tight ends for sure because they've got multiple talented guys. You, you, you're comfortable with any of them on the field. But it's also just a reflection of how the offense is adapting to they're no longer a big play offense. It's like almost the transition is complete from last year to where now they're an offense that's looking to consistently get good gains and still pepper you occasionally with big plays because that's just going to happen. So uh, is there is there a bigger final takeaway than that? Or is it like, and we'll see you next week on the Chiefs in short yardage? Like, are you guys are you guys convinced that this is 
a non-issue from here on out, or is this no. going to be a chess match that you're worried about? No, this is going to be a trend that, that needs to be monitored for about a month, because cool. the Chiefs are still really, really good on third downs when it isn't short yardage. And, mm-hmm. of course, the stat mm-hmm. last week, you know, or going into the Tampa Bay game, that still bears kind of true, is the Chiefs are really good on third and ten. It is wild yeah. that, like, on third and ten, defenses are like, we rub these hands, boys. Let's yep. go. We got them. Yep. And it's like, how do he get that wide open? Like, why is he, why is he, why is he scrambling? Like, why, why can't we get there? Or like, he held, he held on to the ball enough for somebody to call a hold. Damn. <laughs> like, so, like, their offense is still, for the lack of big plays, as Seth has mentioned, or the truncation of big plays. They are still amazing at third and ten <laughs> and yep. beyond. It's it's it is out of control how good Patrick Mahomes is on third and long. Like it, yeah, they're so good, and Kelsey's is, amazing on third and long too. Like, yes, you you could put Kelsey on any team, and it would make them exponentially better on third down. And the same is obviously true of Mahomes. And then you combine the two of them. And like Tyreek Hill was part of that last year too. Um, but that was just, they're just so, they're so good on third down. The thing with short yardage is Kelsey and Mahomes aren't quite the same equalizers there. And that's where like, it might be week to week. Like they planned this season. I think part of the reason the Colts game was such a, other than just a bunch of crap just went wrong. But also they do not, it didn't seem like Reed had a plan prepared for, well, what if our O-line is just getting whooped some week? Right. And I think you're going to see a little bit of a change because they only had three drives in the second half against the Colts. They actually started moving the ball decently and they had a, some a couple of really bad luck things happen, right? Like a drop and like just some other stuff that just went wrong. You know, Kelsey dropped a touchdown. Um Gray dropped what should have been getting them inside the 10 on two separate drives, mind you, of their three in the second half. So they they were moving the ball because they were getting to the red zone. And I think you I think that you saw them start to adapt to, okay, our own line's not really winning the way we'd like them to. Let's do some other things here that that they've Andy Reid protected the O-line for Mahomes' first several years because the line wasn't nearly as good as it is now. And I just think. I don't know if it even occurred to them that they might have a game where the line was getting genuinely whooped. And now I'm curious if now they'll have that a little more ready in the bag for if it starts. Okay, well, so let's let's talk about the defense in general, and then we can zoom back in and on the on the Raiders because uh, I, we we talked about Snead a little bit, but you were uh, you were still workshopping the headline. I know uh, for uh, when we talked last <laughs> on the Legarius Snead front. So examining Legarius Snead blitz that won't stop working is a, is a nice a nice little zingy headline, Seth. Um, I, I don't know how much of this you feel like you can get across in audio form. Please go check it out, mncheesefan.substack.com. But I, I also want this to pivot into a larger conversation about. How well to use the word we used a lot last episode, how the Chiefs defense, I actually think, is establishing itself as being pretty multiple. Yes. Um, and uh, and uh, the way that Legarius teed off on the quarterbacks <laughs> certainly had something to do with it. So well, what did you what did you see, oh, Seth? What did you look for? Scrum- sure. Scrumptious wordplay, my friend. I just saw that one from Seth. So you have to give him credit, unfortunately. Um, So 
The the thing with the Chiefs defense, first of all, they were better against the Bucs than they're getting credit for. Oh, I tweeted course. about the pass rush starting to do some work late in the game, and I got a lot of pushback from people like, what game are you watching? Which is, by the way. The one where Chris Jones had a 50% pass rush win late. Please stop yeah. tweeting me. Well, and also, I mean, when Tom Brady, and that was the thing, like, like what I in the Twitter doesn't work for a good discourse on this. But what I want to respond to people because I had a bunch of people say something like that to me. And the, the easy thing is the same one you are. What's your point? <laughs> yeah, but I get it. People hey, are in the just moment. Just start there. responding with what game are you watching? And then well, just yeah. that, that just just respond with an Uno reverse card. Yeah, <laughs> the great equalizer. So what was worth noting in that second half, especially in the fourth quarter, and and they had to throw the ball. Everyone knew it. If you go back and rewatch that, Tom Brady had to get the ball out. Yeah. Like this was, this was in two seconds, that ball needs to come out. And that's because the pass rush, it was kind of like what they envisioned. And we talked about this. Nate, you mentioned this a lot with Carl Loftus. There wasn't like any one dude like winning with this quick swim move or whatever, but the pocket was getting crushed every single snap. And it wasn't just when they were blitzing either. Now, do they need another guy to emerge to win one-on-one more often? Sure. But that, that's just something worth noting. So with Sneed and Spags, it's what happens when you have a player who's uniquely good at something and a coach that's uniquely good at scheming up that thing. Spags has always liked blitzing guys from the slot, whether he would creep up a safety to do it or whether he would use the slot corner. He's always done that as a change-up on his defense. Like if you go back to Giants time, he would do that. And Legereus Sneed is uniquely good at blitzing because he's not just a fast guy. All corners are way faster than, you know, linemen. So if they're unblocked, they get there really quickly. But most corners aren't able to deal with even being blocked by not even half a man, by a fourth of an offensive lineman, right? Most Secondary guys, when they blitz, if an offensive lineman can even get an arm in the way, anything, they, they just don't have any it, kind of bounce through contact. It, it hurts. It, it hurts. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, that one hand, by the way, people, it hurts way more it than It hurts so much. It, and <laughs> as, as, as again, as you're trying to run full speed to a quarterback. Yeah. Here's a, can I, can I tell a quick anecdote to, uh, to that very, very, very specific point that has really stuck with me for a while? Um, thanks, I will. <laughs> at, at eight ten, at eight ten, uh, our our vending machine there has uh, has had its issues for quite a long time. I think it's older than I am. That's not the point. The point is uh, that things get stuck in that vending machine all the time. And uh, something got stuck on Lebo a couple of days ago, and he said, "Yeah, this this happened one time. I don't know if it was Lebo's snack or not, but something got stuck in the vending machine uh, back in the uh, the pretty early post football days for Tim Grunhard. Oh. Something got stuck in the vending okay. machine." And uh, and a retired, but not, you know, somewhat recently retired, Grunny walked in and with one hand, he um, popped the vending machine so hard that it rocked back on its rear legs, rocked back forward again, and the food fell out. And so if you want to say, what does it feel like to be blocked by one hand of an offensive lineman? That's the, enough to wobble a vending machine. That is the that is the moral of that story that has stuck with me now. Uh, every time Lebo has told it, I am ready for the end of the story, where I am reminded that every one of those offensive linemen is so much stronger than a human being supposed to be able to be. Right, they are just they they they're just freakishly strong, and and that's cornerbacks don't play in that world. It's kind of smaller like than you, vending machines. They are much smaller <laughs> than vending machines. And if you want to do the reverse, 
Just remember the time that the Vikings tried to use a wide receiver to block Reggie White. And that 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 hump move that threw the guy 9,000 yards. It didn't work? It did, it did not. And, 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 and you see it sometimes now, like with Karloftis, you start to see it. And, and Clark, when he's at his best, when they use tight ends who aren't named George Kittle or Rob Gronkowski to block a defensive end, it does not go well. And it's hard for blitzing secondary players because they're also moving in a way, you know, you're a corner. You're not used to sprinting downhill, trying to track down a quarterback who quietly is usually bigger than you, right? <laughs> quarterback, Patrick Mahomes is bigger than any corner. And now they're they're taught to just go down. Like they're not going to, well, Mahomes isn't because he, he might like do a backflip and stand on your head and throw the ball. But, you know, what can you do? Josh Allen might just pulverize you. Yeah. <laughs> like imagine that you're this 5'11", 200 pound corner and you're blitzing Josh Allen. It's like, uh, okay, what do you want me to do when I get there? Like, <laughs> sir, will you please go down? You know, it's, so, it's called shoes. Where's the shoestring? Yep. Yep. Can I'm I, going and can I find them? Yep. <laughs> I'm going to tie those bad boys together. And so, um, most corners, when they blitz, they are not able to maintain bounce through contact and bend even a little, go through any, and Sneed does. And he also finishes way more physically than most corners. That's what makes him such a good blitzer. He's got the athleticism, got the, has the closing speed. He's got it. And, but he also has those other special things. And so what Spagnolo has been doing is utilizing that and dressing it up differently every single time. And against the Bucks in particular, he, <laughs> it was so great. He is blitz Spag, he is blitz Sneed almost exclusively on like third and fourth down. And then, this, of this, course, this, this is the pattern. Yes, yep. this is the pattern. He, and, he then it, and then if you're he, Tampa he, Bay, it's first and 10. Yep. <laughs> Just whoom. And then, oh, I'm also going to drop George Karloftis off to make sure he takes care of that hot route that I know you called Tom Brady because you're Tom Brady. And you can see Brady. Okay, a blitz is coming. You see him recognize the post up. A blitz is coming. That dude is not blocked. I'm going to get killed, but I'm Tom Brady. I got a hot route. What is that defensive end doing in the passing lane? <laughs> and wham, it was over. It was yep. awesome. Yeah, so um, on the first third down of the season, he literally he literally blitzed Sneed on their first like major fourth down snap. He literally yep. blitzed Sneed. And on the first, what he anticipated to be the first major quick change of possession, he blitzed Sneed. That's how much this man trusts Legereus Sneed. Yep. He it, it's it is one of his favorite go-tos. And now obviously we're four games in, so teams are they're gonna be planning for it. But because each of those times did it out of a different alignment, did it out of guys, I mean, and, and personnel groupings are always gonna be different, but he had the coverage different behind him each time. And that's one thing that Spags is really good at. And, and his blitzes aren't always as good as they could be. Part of that is because he's had to kind of live off them for pass rush at times. But he is really good at disguising what should be the same blitz. And so I, it's really fun to watch. And then also, and I will tell this to everyone, and when it happens, I'm going to laugh. At some point this season, Trent McDuffie is going to blitz from the other side. And the other team will not see it coming remotely. And he is going to get the most free run at a quarterback that you've ever seen since the last time Lacharius Sneed just like <laughs> slammed into poor Kyler Murray, who was just trying to live his life. I, you know, <laughs> and I mean, Matt Ryan, Matt didn't really see him coming. And Brady, like I was kind of exaggerating when I said, like Brady saw him coming at like with 0.1 seconds to go. And 
that had to have hurt. I mean, he dropped the ball for a reason. So it's a really cool changeup. And to watch how they layer it play after play is just one of the cooler things to see how they manage to take people by surprise doing something that should be very similar. Right. Now, do you do you think that it's always, you know, completely called from the sideline or is it evident an instance where Legarius reads? <laughs> All right, good. Uh, uh, let's. That was totally forced. I didn't need that. I just uh, was sitting there and I wanted it. I no, no. You you wanted it. You took it, and I I, I respect it. I what is this, what is the, what is a segue in this show if not a forced pun to get us over to our uh, our, our final segment? So um, there there it is. So both of those stories we've talked about both of course on the Chief of the North newsletter. Nate's story uh, about the uh, the short yardage issues and several more since then. That's all, of course, up on theathletic.com. If you're not uh, signed up yet, I believe you can just go to theathletic.com slash timesars and you'll get the uh, the best deal available there and uh, people will know that you you found it through the show. So go check that out if you haven't yet. I haven't mentioned that link in a while. So uh, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Monday, perhaps. You could be waiting for Monday because we have an extra day between now and when the Chiefs games usually are, and I want to get a, a heat check from you guys on on Chiefs Raiders, how you're feeling right now, uh, what you've learned, if anything, from how we felt going into the Colts game, and how you're you're what you're looking for and how you see it playing out. Nate, I'll, I'll let you kick us off here with what you've heard so far out of Vegas, with what you're seeing from this version of the Chiefs coming off of a, a big primetime game into another primetime game against a division rival, but they're not very good this year so far, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what what should we we be watching for? What have you seen so far? Yeah, I think the Raiders um, could be somewhat reminiscent of the Colts in terms of desperation. Uh, they do have a better quarterback. They do have a better tight end. They do have a better receiving core mm-hmm. than the Colts. Um, that defense is not it really. It's really ma- Max Crosby or bust, and that is. That is not how it was designed to be, but that's pretty much what it's been. Um, Now, you know, losing to the Chargers on opening day, on the road, not an issue for me. The, The two things that are really, like, perplexing is, I mean, Kyler Murray just went into basically video game mode. And again, if Max Crosby didn't get there, which he couldn't because he was gassed, they couldn't stop the Cardinals. They just got mushed by the Tennessee Titans, who are really good at mushing people, but still. <laughs> like, y'all should get mushed this much. Um, and give them credit. Backs against the wall. They they had to beat the Broncos. They at least did that. So I, I think the game will be somewhat closer than maybe people anticipate, such as Vegas, because right now the Chiefs are favored by seven. I like... Um, a 31-27 game for the Chiefs. Uh, just because I think, you know, the further you get along, especially with the new coach and Devontae Adams and, and Derek Carr, like there should be some level of rhythm. Um, it's a divisional game, so it should be close. I think the Chiefs are still the better team. Um, but I, I think it's a closer game in the fourth quarter uh, than what we saw last week against the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going to say Chiefs 31 Raiders 27 um, because the Raiders, I mean, it's their, it's their opportunity. I believe it's their first opportunity in prime time. So they need, they need to, they need to perform well, in my opinion. Seth, how are you feeling? I would just say that no one should underestimate the Raiders in any way, shape or form. And the chiefs could lose any given week. We don't know. 
And so I just really want to emphasize that I am in no way taking this game at all lightly and any number of ways the Chiefs could lose. I think that's a great point. Um, and you didn't give a score, so I'll go ahead and give mine. Uh, Chiefs 52, Raiders 7. Um, I think everything Seth said makes a lot of sense, but I don't think it applies here because I think the Raiders are Garbo, and I think the Chiefs have their number. It might be a little closer than that, but the fact it that this might. game opened it's at six just, and a half points is just ludicrous. Might. Just might. Ludicrous, though. Like, I mean... I don't know. This is look. I don't. I'm not trying to tell you to go hit the spreads because backdoor covers are a thing that that re- absolutely ruined days. So you know, keep that in mind. However, if the Chiefs are, if this isn't cut, just this, hi. Hold on, let me real quick. I'm gonna throw to past Josh what he said leading up to the Colts game. Here's old Josh. If this team isn't thoroughly uh, handled by the Chiefs, if the Chiefs don't lead this game by ten points the whole time, I'll be shocked. Totally floored, I tell you. They don't lose games like this when they never have. They never will. <laughs> There's a one hundred percent chance they win this football game, and I've never learned a lesson in my life. Um, but no, nah, man, I just, I just think the Chiefs are good. I think they've got whatever happened in Indy was just a, a comedy of errors followed by um, a whole bunch of bad miss opportunity football. And I don't think they're going to have their worst game of the year again. So without that, I I feel pretty good about them being thoroughly better than the Raiders. And I honestly, once again, in my own foolishness, don't even feel bad about that. There's always a game that you lose that you're like, how did we lose that game every year? There's always and the Chiefs game. already had theirs, so they're going 16 and one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Bills get them 14 and 15 and two at the at the absolute worst. Uh, okay, I've given you the links. I've told you that you can uh, get all of Nate's worth work on theathletic.com, Seth, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, and you can follow all of us on Twitter at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan, and at JB Briscoe. That one's me. And uh, we will be back on Tuesday, obviously. We're not going to do a recap episode on Monday this week for very obvious reasons. So we'll be back on Tuesday to recap the Chiefs' blowout victory that never made you sweat and definitely will not come back to bite me um, <laughs> because... That sort of thing simply doesn't happen. Seth, if you got a final word, give it. If not, Nate, get us out of here. I just want to say that every team is dangerous. And any given Sunday, <laughs> anything could happen, guys. It's called Any team could be a Komodo dragon at any point. Seth, oh. it's, Seth it's called it, We Look Forward to the Challenge. That's <laughs> Yes. Look forward. A lot of great players uh, in, in, it's a good in, football in Las team. Vegas. It's a good football to the team. challenge of playing the Raiders. It's a good football team. Yep, yep. Yeah, well coached. That's a good football team. Yep, got some guys that can move the ball. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you guys ending the show with a bunch of lies? (laughs) Okay, here we go. We've we've reached it. If you've come this far, here's the jackpot. Look, guys, we got Bobby Stroop on this now. Like (laughs) (laughs) look, 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 man, we got we got Patrick Mahomes' longtime trainer on this side of the argument, okay? Now look. Some people want me to go seek out Troy Aikman like it's the Super Bowl, guys. I don't know if I can do that, okay? Um, I can't make any promises. With that being said, again, this is from Bobby from Bobby Stroop. You know, like, if, if Patrick throws four touchdowns this week, he will pass Troy Aikman's all-time career touchdown. Um, and then Bobby, of course, says, and again, shout out to Bobby, great guy. Patrick, of course, has literally thrown hundred less interceptions. So look, guys, we've now given you the prop bet. Do with it what you will. It's four touchdowns. 
All I want to say is, Troy Ekman asked for this. He really did, guys. <laughs> he really, really asked for this, and y'all didn't forget. And that is, if nothing else, a byproduct of how incredibly, like, like we could not have, we, man, I could not have foreseen this. No. Like, like Danielle, I know you're listening, but like, shout out to her who put the clip out, and then we got him. Josh <laughs> Briscoe got this man, and none of y'all forgot. And now we may be days upon his eyes seeing it in real time. So I don't encourage Betty, but I I can't discourage you from this one, okay? So if this man throws out four touchdowns and y'all bet him to do that, just know that y'all can always thank Troy Aikman for this. And as long as this show exists, it will always be tied to Troy Aikman because Patrick Mahomes' trainer is with us. <laughs>